0: You need to be more like a doll. We don't need a bunch of cats in here eh, looking in the
1: mirror. Be a dome! Whatever happens in Leash, it's always a scandal. Why do you think that was? Probably because we're always drinking and. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no smoke without fire. Not going
2: to I Met Tomas Shea one day and he said, "I'm sick of that Northern crowd." He said, "If they went set dancing twice a week, we'd all be set dancing twice a week."
0: I can remember a lad, Jay Boothroyd, right? and he was getting sick, right lying like that, <laughs> looking at me like, and well, I'm going, "This is not helping me." Every man, woman, and monkey in me all is nearly right in the mouth. Shake the bucket. I did.
1: All right, you're very welcome to our very first panel discussion of 2013. We're going to talk about Mario Balotelli and Roberto Mancini's wrestling earlier on this week. We'll uh, ask our panelists for their New Year's hopes. And, of course, we're going to talk about Lance Armstrong, who, as Joe has just reported, might be ready to make a confession, according to the New York Times. On our panel today, Tommy Carr, former Dublin Roscommon and Cavan manager. Mick O'Keefe, the head of Pembroke Communications, a former Dublin footballer who also played League of Ireland with Shamrock Rovers, And Owen Butler, writer with the Irish Times and a regular here on the programme as well. I want to start with Lance Armstrong. The New York Times citing sources close to Armstrong and who are familiar with the case have suggested that he's already held talks with various groups to broker a deal in return for full admission of his drug use. It's obviously the latest sensational twist in the case. But just to show everybody how amazing it would be, we figured uh, we might play a little bit of Lance. Here he is speaking to ESPN, having already vehemently denied drug use in the interview.
3: My best defense is the fact that, that I've been doing this a long time, Bob and I think all of us in sport, people who can be critical of sport or cynical can say, you know what, that improvement was a little bit suspicious or the change in the body type was a little bit suspicious. I've been doing pro sports for 20 years. I was a professional triathlete when I was 15. I turned professional in cycling when I was 21. That's 1993. I won the world championships when I was 21 years old, beating a guy named Miguel Inderine, one of the greatest Mm -hmm. of all time. My career has never changed. There's never been a sudden spike in ability and never a sudden spike in skill. And, most importantly, When they put the pressure on, when they put the bright lights on you, I didn't go away. I only got faster. And so I'm telling you, I mean, the the proof is in the pudding. The pudding's not a bunch of people that are bitter and angry. The proof of the results, not just the race results, but the drug testing results, the investigations, the inquiries, the court cases, haven't lost one of them
1: oh that was all uh, of course before he actually was stripped of his uh, seven titles Mick you work in public relations if I came to you and said I've got the biggest account of your life it's Lance Armstrong we're going to go public with the story what's your advice how does he do it
2: yeah Okay. anybody who's followed this is one of the most fascinating stories anybody with a passing interest in anti-doping or what or any of these issues it's, it's, it's been dominating for the last number of years if, if I was Lance Armstrong I'd be doing a Tiger Woods on it and throwing myself at the mercy of, of public opinion um, I don't think he's any other choice I think anything Lance Armstrong's done there's only been one um, underlying ambition that's to pr- preserve Lance Armstrong and I think he's no other choice now at this stage he's totally discredited um, I think if he came out put his hands up um, he gives himself some chance of ever competing again and some chance of having some kind of um salvation um, and I think that's there's only hope I-, I found it very interesting as well that um, a lot of people he was quite a divisive character a lot of people backed him and a lot of people were after him for a long time as we know um, and those who've backed him um, a lot of wealthy people have backed him through his charity Strong. and you know I'd say he's coming under enormous amount of pressure now to, to help save their face as well as save his own so you would be advising come clean go I would be doing uh, a Tiger Woods press conference on steroids for, for pardon the pun and I would be throwing myself at the mercy of, of, of public opinion and saying yes I've done this put the hands up and would, give. would you be coaching
1: him to cry at all the right moments absolutely
2: kind of yeah and get
4: his mum to come up and hug him just at the very end uh,
1: Tommy what do you make of this I don't know could his mum even hug him after
4: all the <laughs> <first> <laughs> 10 years at this stage the shame he's brought on the family the shame he's brought on sight now, I find it all to be quite honest a bit of a joke uh, the, I'm cynical about it I'm cynical about uh, the, the cycling the swimming when all the drug taking has uh, taken place uh, I'm cynical about the way he has handled it the denials a bit like Bill Clinton you know, this straight look on the nation in the face, in the eyes, between the two eyes and saying, I never did this, I never did this. With but the occasional eyes flickering down. Correct. The but corner. the confession comes then when, you know, when the game is up and then they want to confess. Why does he want to confess? And if you look at some of the words that were used on the article in the New York Times, that it was the most professional and successful uh program doping program so we're talking about something here that was premeditated over, was over a decade absolutely yeah. over, over two decades so why should he be entitled to salvation none whatsoever and if you look at why he wants to come back so he can continue his career that's not really... We want him to say he's sorry. We want to say he's genuinely sorry. But even if he says, I am genuinely sorry, I don't believe him. I don't think he is sorry do for you, what he has done. Do you care he's if he's done. sorry, though? Is the, the best no, I no, I don't care if he's sorry. Yeah, so he's, no, I, I write him off at this stage. I wouldn't let him compete again.
1: The only thing is that if he actually comes forward and details in very precise terms here's my diary here's how I managed to get rid of all the controls here are the people who knew the fact that I was drug cheating then that's actually a really important no, thing he, for cycling he, yeah,
4: he needs to do good out of, out of the bad that he has done before anybody would forgive him now doing good doesn't mean that we see him line up in a triathlon somewhere and he he wins it. doing good is maybe to go back and do something for kids or do something somewhere or or telling everybody how he cheated uh, correct and and Mm. opening up the whole thing and maybe cleaning it up and making it more encouraging for others to to take part in cycling because it's going to a very bad state at the minute Mm. so I really don't care what Lance Armstrong does
0: Owen, oh, what, what do you make of this? Well, I'd, I'd say I don't know the mechanics of cycling, but how, how the ruling body and all that works. But I understand something about how the court of public opinion works. And this is something that I think everyone has, has alluded to. In America in particular, because that's where the most of his commercial interests are and the most of his support is, um, you, have t- you have two factors. On the one hand, you have a very... Christian and evangelical Christian public who see things in terms of sin and repentance and they're quite re- they're a lot less cynical than us and they would be quite receptive to that kind of thing also you've corporate America I suffered greed it was a sin Yes, I, I repent my sin but please forgive a, me it's a little bit more complicated the, the, the second part is that you've corporate America who are never going to strike down a cash cow if, if some, something's generating profit so the generally how these things work is you admit to the thing that you were caught doing, you have some kind of a religious epiphany, you appear on Oprah, you apologise. The problem with that in this case is that you can't present this as a lapse in judgement. This is systemic over a long time. He destroyed the careers of lots of people. He is only acting now when he's completely backed into a corner with no other, no other, other option after dragging the entire sport into disrepute. And even his saying that he might be willing to, to come forward is coming with conditions. He wants immunity from, mm. from, from prosecution, prosecution on certain charges. Yeah. So I think whatever about... But well, he ain't got to prison for this. Well, he perjured himself. He, he should go to prison, yeah, but he, yeah. he's, he's like, there's no way I'm going to tell you that i am gone to prison. Yeah, so I, I think in that... What, mm. So whatever about... Wherever he ends up... in, I mean, from his point of view, you can see some of the people who testified, the foot soldiers who testified got, got off with like a 60-day ban. He's got a lifetime ban. But... If, we, if you think of it like the, the mafia, the foot soldier can always cut a deal. He's the capo. He can't. There's no one else for him to ride out. He's the top man. You there's know? the whole sport for him to oh, ride out, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, true. Yeah, and,
1: and actually, that might be that might be the but last I do think that's why he's active. different
0: from. I think that's why he's different from other cyclists who are caught. Yeah, yeah, but don't. I think if
2: you put right or wrong to side, there, there is a practical issue here, and like, the WADA and the anti-doping people have, are, will want his head on a plate. And if there are terms and conditions with his head on a plate, I will. I think they will accept them. And I think you will end up in a win-win or lose-lose situation where he does confess he is allowed to compete in some way, shape or form. He does get some form of redemption but he takes a few down with him and he puts his own head on the plate.
4: But... but, uh, I have a difficulty with all this because this is, this is all commercialism. At the mm, end of the day, absolutely. Bottom line, it's money. It's money. Your difficulty it, it, is
1: that you're applying a morality to the situation. I was just
4: going to make that point. Where is where are the morals in all of this? We're, talk, we're talking here about a game, a facade, of putting on a show. Because and we're obsessed with this thing in this country and worldwide with the word sorry. And then when the sorry comes out, ah, oh, that's grand, away you go now again. Good lad, thanks for saying sorry. Mm-hmm. But in many of the sorries that we've heard over the last 10 or 20 years are genuine sorries. They're not. They're suitable sorries to suit the situation and the moment to allow the person continue on again. To allow yeah, the most I, people have I most it. I would profit. agree.
0: Doesn't I mean, just, just to say earlier, you mentioned Bill Clinton. I mean, what Bill Clinton lied about was completely irrelevant to his job. It was a side issue. Mm. It really should never, no one should ever have been talking about it. Whereas with Lance Armstrong, what he lied about is central to everything that he has done and it's much, much more And all safe. the money. And,
4: and I throw in on top of that Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was a personal thing you mm. know that he was, mm. well, I'm not saying he told lies about, it. he probably tried to avoid it over a number of years or hide it to a certain degree but it wasn't done to enhance his performance or was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, have to, you have to bear in mind as well that he,
2: ha- he has been stripped of his titles and he has been stripped of his credibility already so it's not as if he's... But he was
4: never entitled to those in the first place. Oh no, place absolutely maybe. he
2: yeah. wasn't, he wasn't and, and your, your point is well made in terms of I think people will let the Roonies and other people away with misbehaviour I think when misbehaviour has an effect on the performance or the results from a sporting perspective well then it does go into a different realm of... Do Americans
1: of, care about that and ultimately that's what it's the court of public opinion so uh, at the moment there's a big debate about the Major League uh, Hall of Fame, and whether or not the drug cheats are going to be allowed to get in. It'll be interesting to see whether or not mm. they, they vote them in. I don't know if that vote's come through yet, but um, you get the sense that what a lot of Americans are going to say is well so Lance comes out and says you know everybody was cheating I felt I couldn't do justice to my God given talent you know I was 21 and, and I, I fell into this and it became a way of life and I figured if I was going to do it I was going to be the best at it so yeah I'm, I'm really sorry but I, I did get sucked in everybody goes yeah he was God damn he was the best cheater of all which is what we're kind of seeing already it was like he was just well, if you're the- looking in
0: the comments on that New York Times article one thing you can see is that his struggle against cancer for so many people mm-hmm was emblematic um, emblematic of their own struggles with various things and because they believed in him so much that it's almost like nothing can change their minds I mean if the comments on the New York Times piece were I would say vast majority were supportive of him mm. and were people saying he was such an inspiration to me. Basically, I don't care if he took to yeah, yeah. but
4: do you, do, Sorry, the yeah. other thing we got to remember here too, Jared, this isn't a single individual who got caught up in a moment or two or three moments. Mm. This is, There was a team behind this. There yeah. was professional, qualified, educated, uh, system team formally template for doing all these things. There was systematic bullying of of teammates of people around that. I've no doubt the press and the media knew this was going all the t- on all the time because you you can't tell a person anything in in the world without it going out somewhere else. There's no such so thing as the secret. Leak. Yeah.
2: Correct. Yeah. Oh, the other thing as well is that you know when it comes to America, there is a particular set of circumstances when it comes to doping that a lot of the big federations in the states didn't sign up to anti-doping rules. So baseball. American football you still hockey. get like
1: a you still get a 60 day ban on American football for failing a drug test and they don't tell everybody yeah. what drug you've taken
2: and if you go back to athletics and they were accusing the Russians and the Eastern, Eastern Bloc countries of, of cheating the Americans with systematic doping in, in, in America as well and Carl Lewis and a number of other athletes have been have subsequently um, well they haven't confessed but there's been allegations Lewis made. has never
1: confessed but tested positive positive. Like yeah. the, and the, the in uh, Olympic American years, Olympic Committee yeah. uh, blanked the yeah so
2: you do you do have a there, there has been a culture of, of, of acceptance of, of doping in America and I think if he was to come out and say yes I was doping yes I repent I think people would move on and let him back
1: Connor has texted in saying lads this man destroyed or tried to destroy people's lives he deserves no pity or redemption that's your view Tommy yeah, very much yeah. so yeah, yeah. the thing is that um, people don't that's not how life functions because we, we don't sit here in judgement on whether or not there's pity or redemption I think that he should come out and tell everybody what happened I, Like, I, if he names names of who knew what and when and how much they knew, and how he managed to circumvent the rules. Remember, loads of people failed drug tests over the 10, 12
0: years. Loads of really high-profile cyclists no, tested positive. None of that sounds like what he's going to do. What he's probably imagining him doing is admitting that he did take drugs, but not saying how much and when, not giving any details. Mm-hmm. given the very, very minimum amount away, and trying to extract the highest... Um, conditions for that and to try and keep as much of his reputation as he can I don't think he's going to come out and see for me that's the only thing that I'd be interested in hearing at this stage Mm. Mm. Uh,
1: you can't say it doesn't have an effect on how Americans perceive people Barry Bonds Clemens etc are definitely not seen in the same light as they were before whether people forgive them or not Marion Jones the golden girl how's her profile now well Marion Jones is I suppose she, prison, she? she did go to prison mm. for perjury she did five six months and there was also a check fraud issue in that whole case as well which was um, slightly uh, more complex than just being caught but she had been caught twice before and had used Johnny Cochran as a lawyer mm. when she was in college to get off a, a drugs charge so people kind of knew uh, and were I, waiting for her to fall
4: I think there's an acceptance out there too Jared that Okay, and, I, and you don't want to paint everybody with one brush, but they're, they're nearly all at it at this stage. And if you compare that situation to our own Michelle Smith situation, which uh, I still think she's the holder of the Olympic medals. She, she holds, maybe, the, four, she that. She holds still, the four Olympic yeah, medals, the three golds bronze. Yeah. So she's still an Olympic champion, but she certainly got you know pushed way back to the side or way back to the bottom of the heap compared to all these other people who've been found guilty of drug taking and have been stripped mm-hmm. uh, in, in, uh as, as well as that. So I think our handling of the Michelle Smith, and when I say our handling, the public perception, the media handling of the Michelle Smith was quite brutal mm. to her compared to what's happening at the minute. Uh, brutal against, against her? Br- brutal against her. Well, yet there's
2: still people who put, their, put her in the top 10 Irish athletes of all time. She's she still finished. holds her medals, but she, I think she has been discredited. Um, but I would argue rightfully so but
4: yeah there's an argument out there you know there's an argument that there should we let them all at it and let the bet, you know whoever can can ultimately perform the best with whatever assistance they can though. no I don't but there is an argument yeah, out there but, but know, like <laughs> I, yeah. I don't believe
2: that we, we also had a relatively clean London 2012 and a fantastic London 2012 now whether
4: we don't know that people maybe. Are, we don't but we, yeah. what we do know
2: now is that if you're caught in five years time with samples that have been taken in London 2012 you can be retrospectively stripped of medals which is relatively new when it, when it comes to uh, in sports so at least people
1: know that there isn't a place to hide even in 5-10 years time yeah, That's quite important um, Let's move on because I want to talk about uh, Mario Balotelli and Roberto Mancini this week caught wrestling because for some reason the planning permission at Manchester City's training ground prevents them from putting up a higher wall <laughs> Uh, which would prevent the long lens photographers who were just sitting there all day waiting just just keep your photograph your camera trained on uh, <laughs> on uh, voluntary you. <laughs> 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 Tommy you've, you've managed have you managed in situations like this would you have tended to get involved in the, the five size the backs and forwards when you were yeah I suppose at the earlier
4: stage you would because you were kind of making the transition between manager and player or player and manager uh, would there have been um, fiery situations uh, yeah there would have been from time to time but Manager with a player, I don't think that's a good idea on the training ground for there to be uh, interaction of the physical nature Uh, between players and players. Absolutely, we've all seen that and that goes on all the time. Would you have been one of those
1: managers who encouraged the player on player kind of have a bit of row again? I
4: would have encouraged the players to be as competitive as they would be in a game certainly Uh, I I would like to have seen a bit of passion on the training ground and and would you step
1: in if if something happened or would you let it kind of I'd let
4: it fizzle out and if it wasn't fizzling out then I would step in and uh, call it to an end Uh, but it's a different matter when you see a manager and a player uh, laying hands on each other and the support staff having to come over and separate them I think that's an unhealthy situation but it begs the question ...about Balotelli himself and unmanageable players... uh, ...because he has been unmanageable in more than one places... ...but you see, every manager thinks that he has the the tools... ...or the wherewithal to manage any player. No manager likes to think that there's a player out there I can't manage. So everybody will take that chance. And Mancini, when when he took Balotelli, said... I think I could get this guy, I could think I could turn him around, I have the ability to turn him around and what a great feather in my cap that would be. Mm. But you don't always realise how difficult that can be when you're on that training ground or when you're dealing with that player to try and control that player. And sometimes, in a lot of situations, in most cases, those players are not really of value long term to a panel.
1: Uh, we'll come back to the, the Balotelli thing in a minute Mick you yeah. actually would have been at some of Tommy Carr's training sessions yeah I, I, I remember <laughs> Tommy um, was still
2: trying to play with Lucan at the time and there was a queue of about 20 lads lining up for him every time <laughs> he took the field I was one of those uh, in and out players at the time so I was probably second or third in the queue I'd say, mm-hmm. at that stage but um, ah, no, look, I know I look think, I think player on player stuff I, th- I think happens and I think often you'll find 8-9 days out from a big match you know, there's three or four positions up for grabs and you might get lads might get a bit sparky and a bit fiery and I actually think it's a good sign sometimes when there's a little bit of niggle and shows guys care. Um, I think with the Balotelli thing I, I think Balotelli is one of these guys he's kind of childish and sulks and you know he's a, he's a fabulous player And, and I, but I, I would feel that his sins are probably they're so outward like I, I would be more concerned like by the John Terry who you know tweets or puts his Instagram picture up and that to me is far more subtle and sinister undermining of a, of a manager. We have a very powerful Established presence in a dressing-room who subtly undermining a new manager is already quite fragile, whereas Balotelli stuff is like I can't imagine Balotelli, Balotelli having the intelligence or, or maybe the 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 wherewithal to go <clears throat> develop a, a coup situation in a dressing room. What you what you see is what you get. He sulks. He's brilliant. He's crap. He you know he does <laughs> Everything is outward. Whereas I would be more more concerned about you know a, a veteran player subtly more sinister undermining of of a manager. That to me is a is a worse sin and a harder one to to weed out. Uh,
1: The whole idea that um, Mancini's playing football with them and and wrestling, though, I still think that,
0: what's he doing? Well, the one part I don't understand, and this is just etiquette for premiership training, is was tackling his teammate acceptable or unacceptable? Like, do you tackle? I I, I genuinely don't know that.
4: What are you saying? Was the tackle on his teammate?
0: Well, what it said, yeah, when they they were playing against him during training, but what I don't understand is, in the premiership with a game three days away, when you're playing a training match, do you go in hmm. on a full... Fully fledged tackle, or do you kind of stand off each other a little
4: well, bit? Well, you do. No, I think you go in on a fully fledged tackle because, Mick, as Mick has pointed out, everybody wants to be in the number, everybody wants to be one to eleven, and if there's two or three positions, and you can. You know, affect a tackle on a player and show that you're hungering or more passionate for it than he is. Well, then you're going to do that. Yeah, I think. Plus, plus the fact you're in training. The whole idea is to mimic what's going to happen in the yeah. game as mm-hmm. much as possible. as what you're doing in training. So it's very hard to play at half pace or at half yeah. passion. You need those players. But to But then what,
0: what I don't understand then is what because there was it wasn't, wasn't alleged that, that Balotelli's tackle was dangerous. It was just that it was it was a hard tackle. No, and, I, and I, that and gra- that I, I, basis, Why, did, why I, did I got Manchini the impression got his
2: tackle was a little overzealous? Is what I are late? Mm. Is what I I it was interpret. worthy of two red cards as my yeah. yeah, <laughs> but like what you do see in, in professional <laughs> soccer, it's slightly different to to full on contact rugby and, and, and Gaelic games. Is they tend to you know there's kind of an unwritten rule that you don't go in too heavy. I I think and mm. you know when you play a, you know a, there's a big game coming up, particularly in soccer where you know in Gaelic games you can go in and hit a fella hard. He's going to bounce off and get on. In soccer, if you come in sliding in and you catch a a little niggle on an ankle or a little chip or, you know that's going to affect a guy over the next two to three days whereas in Gaelic football or rugby you can take a contact you can move on you're probably not going to be affected yeah. so I think he probably you know he probably got a little niggle himself a few minutes earlier and jumped in probably a little bit too late um, and the two of them seemed to have quite a tempestuous re- re- um, relationship anyway so you know I kind of boiled over I don't think it was too bad though it wasn't like a John Hartson uh, I'll no Bar- there was Herkabitch. no kicking the no, kick no head kick <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have been, that would definitely have been caught <laughs> yeah, by yeah. the. Uh, that <laughs> that the t- but, three guess, right yeah. Yeah. but the, the point that Mick makes about John Terry insidiously undermining uh, Rafa Benitez mm. that's a very difficult thing to deal with when yeah. you know somebody's whispering and not not whispering in John Terry's case but publishing on social media yeah I think th- uh, I mean, that's a, I, I'd that's agree with
4: Mick 100% there and it's a very insidious way of undermining a, a manager and it does happen uh but for me i'm i'm a little bit aghast that they're allowed uh s- to be so liberal with their tweeting with their facebooking as mm-hmm. they are at the minute i was i think it was about two world cups ago with the rugby i couldn't get over that some of the players were actually writing columns mm-hmm. and articles mm-hmm. as they were playing i thought it was a very um a very liberal approach uh, for i don't know who was in charge at the mm-hmm. time well, uh, but but for for players to be writing articles it, but, yeah. and columns and we have a little bit of it in in the ga at the minute as well uh, your, your business is to play football, and not to write articles and columns. And I think Jimmy McGuinness took a hard line on that. He did, well. yeah, 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 yeah. So, but 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 it's important that players know that. So I I do have a problem See, I'm, with, I'm, with the, the tweeting and the facebooking of certain
1: elements. Of absolutely, I have less problems with um, people writing columns. I just think that actually, if everybody was open about this, it's not you're not giving anything away. You, you don't lose a game because you wrote a column the week previous
2: there's actually no, no advantage no you don't but there, there is there is, there is a discipline I, I, I agree with you to, in, in one respect with the with the columns what it does do is it's like the old thing in, in GEA in particular where a fella has the Sunday spread and either has a fantastic game or a crap game on the back of it and if he's a bad game everyone says he was in the papers all week if he's a great game he's a fella who can handle the pressure <laughs> so but I, I think when it comes to, to Twitter in, in particular um, look we've written a few policies for different teams and, and sports organisations there are really obvious rules that people and I'm shocked that they don't obey by one is you don't tweet 24 hours before the game because, so you might say something that may give the opposition some ammunition, and anything that gives the opposition five percent advantage. And it was an example of a, of a hurler in, in Dublin who tweeted something, and opposition members picked up on it, and you know it, it gave them a certain amount of but, ammunition. But Mick,
4: the other thing: is why would you want to tweet twenty four? Why would you be doing that? Why it's is why is your why is your why is, and you've been dealing with? It, yeah. but why is your mindset in that place where I want to tweet something about the game or about the team? That's not your well, place. Really at the end of I
2: think it's two things. I think one is it's 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 boredom, and I think you know you have an element of um, there's you know they have nothing to do. They're on a bus for three hours, and they you know they're playing around with phones. It's the same as it's reflective of what's going on in, in, in society. Um, but you know, I, I, to me as well, the the, the, the second element is forty eight hours after a game, where you're very emotional after game. I think put the phone away, and any manager worth the salt. I'm not saying we shouldn't get into overly controlled because then everything becomes slightly boring. But surely you understand twenty four hours before, forty eight hours after you don't get involved with public opinion. It's like you wouldn't walk into, well, you maybe you would, but you shouldn't walk up to a bar in a, in a busy nightclub and four fellas give you a stick at the bar. It's exactly the same thing, except mm-hmm. online. You're getting abuse back and forth, ill-informed abuse, faceless abuse sometimes. It's actually worse. Stay away from it for 48 hours and when you calm down and everything's ready, go again. But, but I, I take your point. I don't know why people feel they have to indulge, particularly at the that, thing, that level. The
0: thing that maybe the, the, like, the, should be stated is that The things that make the news are only a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction, and for the vast majority of it, you know, the fans are the people that go to the games and allows the players to interact with them, and that is positive, you know. And by focusing, like, if it only comes on the radar when something negative comes out of it, then you're only seeing the the tip of the iceberg because there's a huge amount of fans Mm -hmm. and players who interact with each other, and it and it is uh, good for, for sport. Yeah,
1: I think it, the accessibility is a really good thing for, for everybody. There was um, a chat going on, Michael Dignan answered somebody last week and I looked back at the conversation and it was uh, two lads have been having an argument about how tall Michael Dignan was and whether or not this impacted <laughs> his position in their top 10 forwards of all time. And he was like, just a touch under 6'2". Glad to be in such great company. I thought this is, uh, that sounds like a good workplace wherever the two lads were having a chat. Uh, you're listening to News Talk Sports Saturday. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from our panel right after this.
3: Newstalk Sport Saturday. News Talk Sport Saturday
1: You're very welcome back to News Talk Sport Saturday It's will be here with you until 6 o'clock this evening 53106 is the text number if you want to get involved in the conversations that we're having on our panel Tommy Carr Mick O'Keefe and uh, Owen Butler tweeting is a symptom of players becoming the product and not the teams says Lar in Dublin there is the individual brands of the players that uh, we have to consider in all this given it's very difficult for them to make money if they're spending all their time playing Gaelic sports that sometimes they, they feel the need to get that public profile
2: yeah well not, not you know six hours before the match though uh,
1: regarding managers playing five a side that can only lead to bad things Dwight York said that Graham Souness got so competitive at Blackburn that he'd go out to injure them if they made a fool of him <laughs> uh, good management from Souness It's probably why he's better on TV these days uh, <laughs> Sean o. Wexford says fair play to Mancini but Balotelli should count his lucky stars he isn't being managed by Brian Cody Ger Nan or Kevin Heffernan for that matter Um, Yeah, so keep those texts rolling in. 53106 is the uh, text number. We're going to ask the lads for their, uh, well, the thing that they hope most happens in uh, 2013. But before we get to that, I just want to bring up the um, issue during the week. AC Milan walked off uh, a friendly against uh, fourth division sides pro-patria after uh, Kevin Prince Boateng who uh is has been at the club obviously probably familiar with him more from his days at uh, Portsmouth as well was racially abused by the crowd um there's been some kickback from various people saying that uh, players who are being racially abused shouldn't walk off the field when it happens uh, oh and I find that a very odd position for um,
0: well may, you could say that first and foremost the, the referee should take action but if he doesn't or if he doesn't take satisfactory action or if in fact there's really nothing a referee can do if, if you know if 10,000 people are in the, in the stand or chanting the referee really has very limited power to do anything about it so ultimately except calling a halt maybe and that's where yeah but, it's, but if, if there, so if the referee doesn't do that I think yeah. I think the player is perfectly entitled to. It. I was listening to them. I think it was on, on off the ball, and they were saying, you know, if someone came into your workplace and stood there abusing you, would you? I mean, if you just said, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to get up and walk out. I think you'd be entitled to, you know. And I, I think he was fully, fully entitled to walk off, and I think fair play to him.
4: Yeah, I think this is probably the more serious side of sport, or it certainly transcends the the social sporting uh, um, realms. The difficulty here, Gerald, is that okay, the the ultimate protest is to stop the game, pick up the ball, kick it up to the stand, and everybody walks in. But I'm not sure if there's 10,000 people chanting uh, racist abuse. It's usually down to a very small minority with all these things. So what we're doing is we're, we're really punishing the rest of the people who turn up to attend these games, watch these games and who are into their sport. I think we should be more dealing with the small minority rather than punishing the majority who turn up for these games. I and, think that's a major problem. It is. It's a big challenge as well. Yes. Though. How do you get, uh, it ultimately is. Now end up I, identifying I those? The we, 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 we all, we all certainly take the stance that racism no matter where it is whether it's a workplace or a sporting has absolutely no part or uh, part to play Anywhere, and we shouldn't stand for it. And we should be, we should be, we should deal with it in a very brutal fashion altogether. And anybody who's caught doing it should be expelled for life because y- you just don't need it in there. But certainly, it has to be dealt with.
1: So just on that, it, it, the, at the moment, we're finding that anybody who's found guilty of racially abusing a player in the GA is banned for a period of time, as opposed mm. to for life. Would you advocate lifetime bans for for players who are found racially abusing other players in the GAA?
4: Yeah, I, I certainly would. I don't think it has any part to play and anybody who goes out with that in mind in the first place certainly we're back to this sorry thing if they serve their year or their two years they're not actually sorry they're capable of doing it again would
0: I be right in saying that a very uh, high profile mead player about 10 years ago uh, used racist insults in in an international rules match and when <clears> confronted <throat> about it afterwards said, oh, I didn't know you weren't allowed to do that. Is that... I is don't know about that. Sorry, I don't know about the correct. second part of that. The, well, I, the, th- no, that that, that, is, and that is true. The incident and, definitely happened. And, and
2: there are journalists who were on that trip who um, reported it. And um, some of the players, or a lot of players on the trip, wouldn't talk to them for the rest of the trip. Mm-hmm. And now that's, thankfully, is over 10 years ago. But it, it did happen. And, you know, we're, we're not blameless here. But I, I, I do think when it comes to the to Kevin Prince-Boteng incident, I think, first of all, there seems to be a, a hardcore... Um, sizeable minority in the likes of Spain Italy former Yugoslavia Eastern Bloc um, and there is a big issue of, of, of racism there I think in Britain thankfully they've managed to weed it out as much as they possibly can um, they're Until always going to get an idiot
1: just recently there's been a load there's been a massive ups since the John Terry incident yeah, there's been it, this massive upsurge of but you, of don't get, you
2: don't get hundreds and hundreds of fans chanting monkey chants at players anymore that you used to you get mm. one idiot in the corner Correct. who's caught on mm. sky mm. and picture framed it's not as bad as it was but I think unless two things have to happen the first thing that has to happen is that every time it happens the club needs to be punished points deducted came behind closed doors hit them in the pocket and hit them on the table this is a, an incident in a, in a friendly match as far as I can see so you know it, it's, been blown, it's been blown up because the guy walked off the pitch. I doubt he would have walked off the pitch if it was a Syria match. The second thing is FIFA are talking out of both sides of the mouth again. You you give the Ukraine joint ownership of the Euro um, twenty twelve, who are one of the worst track records in in with fans in, in terms of racism, and Russia are in line to to host another World major yeah. and you've fans of Zenit Saint Petersburg, another fans where racism is totally um, epidemic or endemic and, and like, unacceptable and unacceptable, and, and and you know, and it's 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 almost almost. Um, Institutionalized. And until FIFA stand up and say, "You, the, one of the criteria for hosting major events or hosting major games is you have to have 100% clean track record when it comes to these kind of issues. And
1: serious repercussions. For and anybody. serious repercussions. Spain well. don't have serious repercussions for this type of thing at all. No. I mean, even going back to the Barcelona Grand Prix a couple of years ago where people were wearing, uh, uh, they blacked up f- to try and... Um, it's like the uh, the driver, Lewis Hamilton. Hansel. Yeah, um, that's. I I totally understand your point about you punish everybody if the team mm, walk because off. of a small minority. But actually, how are you going to police that small minority? Unless, I think th- unless uh, but, the, but I think the, sure, that, that the crowd is, that, becomes no, that active is, participants in that punishment.
4: That is that is the responsibility of the club. It's their supporters. They issue the tickets, whether they're life tickets or season tickets or match tickets. They know who's come through the turnstiles. If it was Dublin, for example, we would know everybody on the hill, if, if there was 10 guys on the hill chanting racial abuse, you tell me that we we, we wouldn't know on the next morning who it was? Absolutely, no, because it is a very tight community. So if you take those clubs, they're even tighter communities because they're not, because those supporters are there all the time. So they know exactly who it is. The uh, one thing uh, about yeah.
1: getting the, that information, if you cancel one game, then everybody's going to turn around and go, listen, Correct. I'm never going to have this again. The,
4: the crowd polices themselves. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. All right, 53106 is the uh, number here. we We also asked the lads to come up with some things that they want to happen in the world of sport this year. Owen, is it is it too difficult
0: for me to guess? that I think you could probably <laughs> guess what mine is. <laughs>
1: Owen's from Mayo, a
0: long-suffering Mayo <laughs> no, Sorry Owen, that <laughs> won't happen. Skip on to number two. <laughs> the, that I, This year that that has to be. I mean, you just wonder, there's so many times a really good, strong bunch of, of young players. I saw the, the programme about Donegal during the week and I think it was Matt Cooper referred to the, the Donegal Cork semi-final as the real final, which kind of made my blood boil a little bit. Um... I'm not saying I think it will happen I'm just saying it's my hope that it should happen um, the the Mayo team are over in Florida at the moment and like again with social media I follow those and, and you see them out there enjoying themselves and you're like oh god I bet you Donegal they're doing push ups somewhere right, right now you know so um, I, I, I've no reason for thinking it will happen but oh god above it it has to happen sooner or later would you give up Ireland
1: qualifying for the World Cup oh, oh yeah
0: big time yeah even though it's in Rio we all get to go to Rio for <laughs> a month <laughs> no we, we don't Jeffrey. you <laughs> yeah. might yeah. we don't I mean would well, I give uh, a, a guarantee that it would happen or would I, would I say that the chance it, of it. We'd, we'd rule it because like the chances that <laughs> it happening happen are pretty remote well, yeah,
4: I, I just I think what's happened Mayo uh, at this stage on is that the belief has been totally knocked out of them I actually think they had more belief about 10-15 years ago they mm. thought they had a better chance of winning All-Ireland than they do now and we've all focused so much on the negativity of Mayo on them not winning all Ireland. I think it's compare that to Donegal like Mayo actually mm-hmm. had more entitled to win in All Ireland and nobody's entitled at the end of the day but they had more an entitlement or deserving to win in All Ireland than Donegal had but Donegal mm-hmm. ended up with much more belief I think that's a major difficulty for them but would I even give up Ireland qualifying for the World Cup to see Mayo win in All Ireland absolutely I'd love to see it I think we won the greatest sporting days
1: is mm-hmm. it possible that this group of players doesn't have all that baggage because I like you definitely got the impression this year that that group has so o- little connection yeah, to the only, the, only
4: time Ger, we can answer that is that when, after they, when, win. when they
1: walk mm. up the, the <coughs> steps of
4: the Hogan stand and they receive the Sam Maguire and there's a, a speech that like that was never seen before from the West
1: because I didn't think that they lost this year because of a, a lack of no, belief no, I didn't were the best team yeah. first mm. off and secondly mm. pretty terrible mm. team selection allowing mm. the matchups in mm. the full forward line that they allowed to, to mm. last mm. for the first 15 minutes yeah. and that's the type of thing that this manager has got to learn would, from to be honest
0: that is exactly what I think it is I never understood that why the team didn't line out as they were selected yeah. at, for the first and that was, that was really you could say that yeah Donegal maybe were never in danger of losing but that's where the game was lost and these young You've players you got to put them in danger of losing they didn't that's collapse the, the way that, that previously collapsed right. in yeah. 2004 and 2006 um, so I mean, you have to be positive if you're a Mayo fan because nothing. You have to be hopeful because there really isn't anything else you could be. But um, I don't know. I think they're. I think they're a really strong I'm bunch of young th- players. Not that
2: far away. Um, sorry, no. I just in in, in terms of of, of twenty thirteen. Yeah, go for it. Sorry, just a cleaner, a clean up of Gaelic football. I think would be. I, I think Gaelic football is at a crossroads I think
4: Mick you can And am sorry not to be the negative one here but you can forget that one as well you can skip on <laughs> the number two thanks Tommy <laughs> because, that's because, that's because, because we've set at this table like. for the last 10 years and look for a clean up I think and, you put my and January it, and diet Mick, as well I'm sorry it. <laughs> and Mick and if if you take into account and this is uh, and, and don't get me going as as, yeah. as you might say but if you take into account we had you Jimmy gee and a, yeah. and a yeah. committee of people and half the nation suggesting mm. and the one thing Ger and we we've heard it here that they still will not tackle is the tackle. And a lot of the inadequacies and the ailments of the game are coming from the lack of a tackle. So until somebody says, right, we are going to have a tackle in Gailey football, which is definable, uh, recognisable and refereable, uh, I just wash my hands of cleaning up. The yeah, I, I, d- I just take it as a case. Of I let's I just get on with it. It's fine. I it's was told this
2: was. A, I, I rub the lamp and, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and the genie comes out. Yeah. I didn't the genie was going to say no <laughs> so quickly? <laughs> no, but I, I, I agree. I, I agree. Look, it's uh, from a wish list perspective. I think if you if you had a sim bin and a defined tackle ah. and respect for referees, I think you'd you'd, you'd have a start.
4: And sorry, May, can I come in another one? Because everybody will say they're delighted with the clock, but the clock is, is actually going to become a joke. Because mm. I'll tell you why. The teams are running the ball into corners. Correct. Yeah, no, yeah. Correct. And and the injuries. They will not if there's four minutes put up and the clock is still ticking away and there's an injury for two minutes in that four minutes is it is going to be a added the no, it's, or not. it's yeah. not it's not I guarantee it's not it'll end up another joke so they haven't nailed it properly and I'm making that prediction Well, I, 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 now. I
2: think when you start out with a committee and you call for thousands and thousands of submissions and a wide ranging brief I think you're going to end up with a wide ranging On a
1: counterpoint. have the last two football championships not been really good like with last year's football did we not get loads of brilliant games all season long stretching all the way back to Clare against Limerick in the Munster Possibly, Football but Championship But you
2: have what you have is teams where um, foul counts and, and yellow mm-hmm. card counts are through the roof and you have mm-hmm. a situation where with 6 or 7 minutes to go you can persistently foul change fellas around take yellow cards no punishment to the team yeah. like you can't have that scenario it's horrible
4: to watch yeah. so Gerard was it good yes can it be better absolutely yeah I think that maybe yeah, it, fair enough yeah <coughs> Yeah. Tommy, you're. Yeah, I have a, yeah, a few little things I'd love the oh, ball. No, 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 I'd love one one to there. No, got no, you got know, your chance. <laughs> 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 the no, the the I'd love to see the bubble burst on the soccer Payments and the salaries, and I'd love to see half the clubs go to the wall and have to restructure <laughs> the whole thing because I think they're overpaid. And I, I just, yeah, I think they're they're spoiled children. The uh, Premier I'd League
1: deal is, is actually bigger. The uh, the pot of money that's gone to the Premier League not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. The, I know it's not. So
4: that's my number one gone as well. And my the, my second one is I, w- I would like you know? I would like to see Rory McIlroy declare for Ireland in his uh, challenge for an Olympic medal. You're, you're two for two here, and they're not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and thirdly, I would love to see Tiger buds come out and win the four majors this year, <laughs> or any of them? Would that be or it? any of them? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Lance Armstrong win the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: I I I'd like to see a new soccer manager um, in charge of Ireland. I I think we're in a situation where we have a manager who talks the team down consistently. I think he's run his course. I think it's time for for a new guy. Yeah, you, you, you can't believe if your manager tells you all the time you're not good enough. Um, Anybody in mind? He's, he's a dead duck. Well, look, if you had a, if you had a wish list, the best, brightest young Irish manager at the moment is Chris Houghton, But you know, he's he's a guy in vogue at the moment. I'm I'm not so sure. Um, you know. Um, he'd probably be my number one choice at this particular juncture but he is quite hot right now as, uh, <laughs> but I'm not quite sure whether he's the right man um, and lastly I think Irish rugby is in a bit of transition at the moment and it does look like um, Leinster and Munster in particular are, are, are rebuilding Leinster may have some hope of getting through I, I'd like to see Ireland have a good Six Nations um, give it a proper go get off to a good start with a win against Wales and, and, and give, us, give us all something to to, to, to
4: Hopefully. and one more little one Gerard uh, that Westmead
1: Miners win the Leinster title this year Best of luck with that one Tommy uh, possibly the most likely of uh, all of your <laughs> yeah, New Year yeah. wishes uh, my thanks to our panel this afternoon if you missed any of it, you can uh, hear it all back at Newstalk.ie or you can download it of course my tunes you've been listening to Tommy Carr, Mick and Owen Butler we'll run you through the team news from today's FA Cup games right after these News Talk Sport Saturday